Hi, everybody. Welcome to my home. I'm Dennis Prager. This is the Fireside Chat. There's the Fireside. Here's the chat. This is completely spontaneous, completely unrehearsed, completely unscripted. Sometimes it probably sounds that way, I admit it. But it's, it apparently, to my great delight, I have to tell you, has achieved some popularity. We have a pretty large uh, viewership, and I think it's because it's very real. I love real, and that's what this is about. And those of you who've ever heard me on radio or seen any of the PragerU videos or my videos, uh, this is a chance to really interact more because I take your questions. And it's different than standing in front of a mic and giving a lecture. And those are important. One's not better than the other. It's just a matter of different. So here I am, and I want to talk to you about a subject that, if you take seriously, could change your life. So we're in the the period of New Year's and Christmas, and it's uh, it's, it's what is this? It's the uh, it's the it's the time to be jolly. What is it called? It's a time. What what is the words on the song? It's it's. A, you know, one of the one of the many Christmas songs. It's the uh, it's the best time of the year. Yeah, that's a good example. Best time of the year, right? So a lot of people are unhappy. And by the way, this applies to Thanksgiving. This applies to birthdays. This applies to any holiday that you have in whatever religion you are. This is not this is not Christmas specific. It's not New Year specific. It's specific to an idea. The idea being that, and here's the key: people think. How is it possible? If this is, the, <clears throat> if this is the happiest time of the year, why am I so unhappy? And the answer is, now there are many answers. People may have terrible things going on in their lives. There may be a whole host of reasons, but here's the general answer. People think that happy happens to them. And so the, the, uh, let's, say, let's say it's Christmas time, New Year's time. So it comes around and, hey, I'm not happier. And then if you expect it to be happier and you're not, you get unhappier because expectations unfulfilled lead to, to unhappiness. That's a basic theme of my life. It, I learned that when I was in college, taking comparative religion in England, and my Buddhist teacher taught me that and it changed my life. So I have virtually no expectations of life. That means I'm constantly pleasantly surprised. That's a better way to live a life, in my opinion. But that's another subject for another time. If you want to read about it, it's in my book, Happiness is a Serious Problem. I am not trying to sell you books. I don't care if you buy a used copy and I get no royalties, but it is worth reading. People think it's, the, it's a happy time of the year and I'm not happy. And the... The answer is, here goes, you have to make it happy. Happy doesn't happen to you. This is true for all of happiness. Forget holidays and times of the year. It's true for all happiness. Happiness doesn't happen to you. You make it. That is why the geniuses, and they were geniuses, these were, I, I believe, divinely inspired. I do. And I use that almost never. I, I, uh, you know, a handful of figures in history. 
the founders of the United States of America, and I don't say it because I'm American, I say it because I believe it. They, I believe, were deeply inspired, and if you don't want to believe uh, divinely inspired, they were inspired in whatever way you understand the word inspiration. And they wrote in the Declaration of Independence of the United States of America about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a very famous phrase that we should be free to, to, to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. How many founding documents of countries, especially from uh, 250 years ago or, or whatever the exact timing would be, spoke about the pursuit of happiness? To a lot of people today, the idea of pursuing happiness sounds terrible. You don't pursue happiness. It happens. That's not true. You pursue it. Everything good you pursue. You pursue decency, integrity, love. What don't you pursue? Things don't happen. This is a new unwise thing because we live in an unwise time. That's, a t that's, that's another subject about the lack of wisdom in our age and how kids don't get wisdom. They get, how do you feel about it? Which is the opposite of wisdom. The absolute opposite of wisdom is how do you feel about it? Things, if you let th things happen in, or you await things to happen to you, 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 you will not have a happy life. You will not, you will not, you, you will not derive the joy that you can from life. So back to the, the concept of the holiday season. Yes, it is a holiday season if you make it one. It doesn't happen automatically. Let's say back again to, to the Christmas New Year's example. Or throw in Hanukkah if you want. It's not, not an issue. But Hanukkah varies because it, it goes by a lunar calendar. But uh, think about it. You, people think, oh, the, the season has arrived, tis the season to be jolly, but I'm not jolly. Uh-oh, something's wrong. But no, it is, it's the season to be jolly. It's not the season that makes you jolly. Even the words are accurate. To be. You are to be. To be or not to be. To really throw in uh, Shakespearean logic for a moment. This, this is your choice. You've got to make things. You've got to make things happen. I don't know where it, it, it developed, but it's not, it's certainly, as I pointed out, it's certainly not traditional in America where it's the pursuit of happiness. It's not the allowance of happiness to engulf you. <laughs> it doesn't engulf you. You've got to pursue it. What, what, good in life. What is there that is good that we don't pursue? Why should happiness be any different from anything else? It doesn't just happen. And if it happens, it happens for a fleeting moment. Oh, am I happy? I just got a new car. I mean, just got it. I'm talking about like 20 minutes ago. And I, I, I very excited about the new car, but I've had enough new cars to know that the new car excitement wears off. And then what happens? The answer is, I try to enjoy it in any event. I try to maintain, oh God, this is a really good car, or it's exciting, or I'm happy to own it. I have to will it. it you can't live life waiting for exciting things to happen, because there aren't that many exciting things that happen, <laughs> you know, unless you get a new car every six months, or every three months. 
or, or take a cruise every week. But if you took a cruise every week, that wouldn't be exciting after 10 weeks. That's why you have daily life has to be exciting. Daily life has to be a joy. But it's only possible if you make it such. And that's the lesson. That is why so many people are unhappy in, in a happy season. Because they, they, they're thinking, well, why haven't I gotten happy? <clears throat> and that's because they think they're, it's supposed to happen to them. <clears throat> it doesn't happen. So I, I need you to, to, to think about that, especially those of you. It's true. This is, listen, if you're 88, this is true. And if you're 8, this is true. But many of you are on the youngest side, and that's great. Be the reason it's great is not that you're more important than anybody else. Everybody is intrinsically important in their own way, obviously. But the reason it's important is you have a chance to know earlier in life than later how to lead a better life. That's the beauty about hearing this stuff early in life. Because, and allow me to go on a tangent for a moment, you're not, get, you're not, if you are a typical young person in the Western world today, you're not being given wisdom unless your parents are giving you some wisdom or your religion is giving you some wisdom. You're not getting it in your secular school, including the most elite schools in any, any country that you're listening in. You're not getting wisdom. You may be getting knowledge. You may have the best chemistry lab in your city. You may have the most high-tech stuff there. You may have an Olympic-sized swimming pool, but none of that gives you wisdom. Science doesn't give you wisdom. Science is great. I'm alive thanks to science. Bravo to science. But it doesn't give you wisdom. This has been a major, major uh, confusion on the part of so many people. Oh, science will give us the answer. Science gives you answers to scientific questions. That's all. That's all it gives you. Now, that's big, but it's not wisdom. Wisdom is, gee, what is the way to lead a better life? What is life about? How can I be a happier human being? How could I be a better human being? How do you make a better world? Those are wisdom questions. So if you know earlier on, hey, the holiday season comes and I will make it a happy time. So how do you make it a happy time? Well, ideally you spend it with people that you really like or even, may I say, love. That's, that's, that's terrific. That's one way to do it, is, is to incorporate the people that matter to you into your life. Do you, do you lack people who matter to you in life? That's, that's the issue, not the problem of the holiday season. Then the, then the issue lies in why aren't there more people in your, in your life that you, uh, that you care for deeply. I, I ought to do, you know what, let's, let's mark that down. I, I, I ought to do, how do you find friends? I should do, I'll do one of these uh, sessions on that subject. I, I, I know that from my high school year, from my elementary school years, in fact, I, I have, I have had a, an, an extremely close male friend since I have been in sixth grade. It's not the same guy. He, as it turns out, passed away at a young age. I, I found out much later. But I, from sixth grade on, I always had at least one truly close friend. And I'm talking about a male friend because I'm talking about 
a platonic friendship here. And it was really, uh, this, has, this has stood me well to this day. That is, is a major source of my happiness. So one way is to have people that matter to you celebrate with you. That's a very big deal. But I'll give you another example in, in the Christmas example. When I was a kid, there were a lot more homes with the Christmas lights. It's amazing. I remember growing, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and the block I lived on, I, I would say, and I, I think it's an accurate memory, I would say two-thirds of the homes were lit up. It was so festive. Now, I'm Jewish. We didn't light, we didn't light the house for, for, uh, for Christmas, but I always loved it. I, I, I loved that time of the year. To this day, I love it. And I, and I loved uh, the lights. The, it, they were festive lights. It's exactly what they were. But people got lazier or people don't have the time, or both parents work, or I don't know what, or people just got more secular. Uh, but, it, but it isn't even necessarily for those who have a religious Christmas. It could be for those who have a cultural Christmas. It's still a time to, to have festivity. There's, there's still Christmas trees. There's still a whole host of things that are not specifically religious. And obviously for the religious Christian, it makes perfect sense. Wouldn't you want to celebrate uh, uh, what Christmas celebrates? But that's, that's another example of something that can bring you happiness to, to do that with your kids. If you, if you have kids, to put the lights up with your kids. That will be a memory they will have the rest of their lives. It's a bonding thing. It's, it's more bonding, I might add, than... I think then you're going to another one of their baseball games. I'm not telling you not to go to their baseball games, though I think it's overrated in importance. But you watching your kid doing something is very different from your doing something with your kid, especially if the something is transcendent, as a, as a holiday could be. I mean, baseball is not transcendent. I love baseball, but it's not transcendent. So doing that with your kids or your kid, that could be a, a, a magnificent example of making the holiday happy because it isn't automatically happy. Now, here's another one which goes in the reverse direction but also produces happiness, is inviting somebody that you might know from work or from a church or synagogue or, or anywhere that you have a feeling they probably don't have a place to go to for that given holiday. Invite them over. I mean, almost everybody knows somebody. It, it could be, you know, it could be a widow or a widower. It, it could be somebody whose family lives very far away and they don't, they don't have them. Could, there are any number of possibilities. Inviting such a person over actually will make you happier because goodness makes you happier. It's one, of the, it's one of the nicest aspects of life that doing good makes you a happier person. By the way, that's one of the arguments that there is goodness in the human condition. I believe people are not basically good. I never said we're basically evil, but we're not basically good. But here is an argument for there being goodness as well in the core of the human being that doing good makes you happy. If we were just rotten, doing good would not make us happy.
So, one more time. You're not going to have a happy holiday unless you make a happy holiday. You're not going to have a happy life unless you make a happy life. It is all on you. Life doesn't supply these things. We supply these things for ourselves. It's a very important lesson. Okay, I'm going to take your questions. Do I have the, uh, where is it? Here we go. Okay. Let's see here. Your questions are... All right, Doug, 28, Oceanside, California, USA. Dennis, do you think hardship makes a person stronger? It depends what you do with it. It could crush you or it can make you stronger. Everything is a choice. That is the amazing thing to understand. Everything is a choice. Person X can have a hardship. Person Y could have a hardship. It crushes X and it, it strengthens Y. So there's no answer to your question. It's what you do with that hardship. One of my great examples is the late Charles Krauthammer, one of the uh, great uh, political thinkers uh, in, in American life for, for like, I don't know, 40 years or so, and just uh, died uh, recently. When he was at Harvard Medical School studying to be a psychiatrist, he had a, a terrible accident diving into a pool, snapped his neck, and was immediately rendered uh, paralyzed. He decided immediately he's not going to let this ruin his life. And that, that's an amazing thing at the age of, what, 22 or whatever he was. So much so, he actually kept studying while immobilized in bed. He had projected onto the ceiling the words of his textbooks. He graduated with the same class he entered. He did not lose a year, paralyzed, and became the preeminent, uh, one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent, political commentator in the United States of America. National television, nationally syndicated column on the Washington Post, sp you know, speaker in demand. By the way, I think one day we're going to put up, I interviewed him right before uh, he uh, got his, the illness that killed him just a few years ago. He came out for a PragerU event, and it's not easy to fly when you're paralyzed. But he, he came out, uh, and I'm, I'm very touched that he did, out of respect for me and for Prager University. And I had a long dialogue with him, which is on video. We've never released it, uh, and I, I think we should, because you'll, you'll come to admire this human being. If you knew him, you'll admire him more, and if you never knew him, you'll admire him. So he is, is, that's a pretty big hardship, getting paralyzed at the, the age of 22. And uh, do you know how many people don't, don't, didn't even know? They'd watch him on TV. They didn't even know he was in a wheelchair. They didn't know he was on a respirator. It, it's, it, it's astonishing. Was he on a respirator? I know he, he was, uh, I don't know, you would have seen a respirator, right? Because you would have seen uh, valves, right, right. But he, he was... It was not easy for him to breathe because of paralysis, and yet people didn't know it. That's how that's how normal a life he intended to be married. He had a child. So that's the answer to your question. It's what you do with hardship. Listen, one of the reasons I am so angry at what the left 
uh, is doing to society is that it is making young people weak and unhappy. A speaker comes to your college that you may not agree with and you go to a safe space? Hey, Charles Krauthammer didn't need a safe space. Guy's paralyzed and he didn't need a safe space. But a conservative comes to your college and you need a safe space? You, you need to play with Play-Doh and stuffed animals and have hot chocolate served? That's pathetic. It's child abuse. That's what it is. Weak people are not good people, by the way. You need to be strong to be good. So there's a moral quality here as well. What you do with hardship, and I mean real hardship. There's so little hardship that America gives because it's such a land of opportunity and affluence. People look for hardships. Oh, my God, a guy came. I mean, I know it. I, when I go to campuses, uh, p p there, there's always an article or two, always, against my coming because I'm conservative. And, you know, will, uh, will people feel uh, unsafe? Unsafe. Is that a joke? Unsafe. How do I render people unsafe? Because I talk to them about goodness and, 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 and the values that I believe in is unsafe? I mean, it's sick. So that's the, uh, that's the hardship issue. You, when I, I had a very painful divorce, 17 years of marriage, and it, it, it was very painful. And uh, it was necessary. It was absolutely necessary. I, I will acknowledge that. But it doesn't make it less painful. You know, this is a woman that I loved. She has since passed away, and... We have, we have a child together, uh, and uh, I remember that during the worst moments, I thought, well, I'm learning a lot from this, and I could bring a lot of these lessons to my listeners on my radio show. In other words, what I did was I tried to say, look, I don't want this pain, but if I've got it, I want to use it for good, and I have. That's why my book on happiness is called Happiness is a Serious Problem. If happiness came effortlessly to me, I couldn't have written a book called Happiness is a Serious Problem, and then I couldn't have affected people's lives. It's what you do with the pain. So there's no automatic answer to your question. All right. Limby in Mississippi, 22 years old, international student from Malawi. I'm sorry to say, I've been to 20 African countries and not Malawi. I, do you know, this will sound a little silly, but I actually am a little embarrassed when I haven't been to a country that somebody's from. I got to get there one day. Do you think the Republicans will ever defund Planned Parenthood? Uh, it doesn't look like it's in the offing. There's, there's a great deal of opposition uh, to it on the part of the, uh, of the Democrats. I, I don't quite understand why the, the federal government funds a lot of things, even putting Planned Parenthood aside. This is not the role of the federal government. It, it, it's The founders of this country wanted the government to be small so that the citizens would take care of themselves and each other. The more the government takes care of people, the less citizens take care of people. People, that, that, that's, that's what so many young people don't understand kindness is reduced as government gets bigger 
it's sold as the bill of goods that is sold to you is this will increase goodness, but it doesn't. It increases selfishness. Watch my uh, video at the University of Wyoming. Socialism makes you selfish. That is exactly what happens. That is why big government Europe, Europeans give much less charity per capita per income than Americans do because we have been trained to take care of each other and not wait for the government to do it. Okay. Iris, 30, Oakland, California. You talk a lot about happiness on your radio show. In your opinion, what is the single best way for a person to attain happiness? Pursue it. <laughs> Learn what matters. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no single best. But the first thing you have to know is it's an art. Happiness, if, you were, if somebody were to write in to me, Dennis, what is the single best way to, uh, to get good character, to become honest? Work at it. You have to work at it. What is the single best way to become uh, a pianist? You have to work at it. Happiness is like pianism. You got to work at it. You got to take lessons in it. You got to learn how to do the scales. It's not easy. Nothing, nothing good is easy, by the way. Nothing. It's easy to eat cheesecake. But there's no art to eating cheesecake. And it, does, it increases, but not happiness. Uh, I'll tell you one thing uh, that I'll tell you one thing that is that uh, decreases happiness, and that is uh, raising children with self-esteem rather than self-control. Parents have it all backwards. They're preoccupied with their children's self-esteem. They should be preoccupied with their self-control. You can't be happy until you control yourself. Okay. How are we doing on time? 26. Hmm? 26 minutes. Oh, really? Take one more then. Uh, Lynn's 60, Los Angeles, California. When will you be releasing the next volume of your Bible commentary? I loved Exodus. Thank you. This is the hardest project of my life. I'm telling you, this is an example of pursuing happiness the hard way. This five-volume commentary of the first five volumes of the Bible, called the Torah, is really the work of my life. I, 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 I pray it will be read a hundred years from now. That is my intent. I want it to be read by people in China just as much as people in America. The greatest book in the history of the world needs to be explained. It is meant to be life-changing, and I know it is. Read the reviews on Amazon. It's called The Rational Bible, and... The first of the five volumes was on the second book of the Bible, Exodus. The next one will be, uh, uh, it's months from now, it's coming out, but I have submitted it in. You know, I thought I would be relieved when I submitted it in. No, submitted it in is redundant when I submitted it. God, I hate redundancies. Ooh, God, that was painful. When I submitted it, it's like people who say, I re he reverted back to his original argument. Reverted back is redundant. You just reverted. Forgive me, I am crazy about the English language. I'm crazy about speaking properly. I, I, I like excellence. It's one of my idiosyncrasies, I admit it. Don't say I always achieve it, but I do like it. Anyway, uh, the, uh, it's called The Rational Bible, and the, the next volume is out in a number of months. 
I'm, I'm not saying the number because these, I want people to be able to watch the, these fireside chats five years from now and find it just as relevant as today. So I, I try not to date these things. Sometimes I talk about items in the news, but the points I make transcend that moment. So, by the way, which reminds me to tell you, if you enjoy these fireside chats, go to, go to the beginning. Watch what there are now what 60 of them is that right? 62. 62. So this is the sec 62nd. So you know, number 23, I hope is as good as today's. So it's just just for your edification to know that. I try to emphasize different opening themes and then to take the questions. Anyway, again, happiness is made not delivered. And that includes happy times of the year. So thanks for watching. Look forward to being with you next week. From my home to yours, God bless you. I'm Dennis Prager.